Plan. So who has the four to seven this morning? That you, Sister Kaylin? All right, if you're between four and seven, you follow Sister Kaylin, okay? And so you can do that, like, right now. <laughs> four to seven years old. All right. Four to seven. Well, that's a group right there, Sister Kaylin. All righty, well, good. Every time we say this, but it's always true, every time we see that group, that's the future. And uh, I'm thinking, wow, wow, we're in good hands, amen? All right, so I'm sure that the parents and grandparents are teaching them all about the things of God and about the Word of God, and so we're excited about that. All right, we come to an important part of our service, which is the preaching of God's Word, and, and so we're excited this morning to have Brother Jake. Uh, I met Brother Jake uh, probably a year and a half ago or so. Uh, he was down there in the, the South Park, Brazoria area, pastoring a church, and, and uh, the Lord had so seen fit to move him and, uh, in some, really some ways that are not uh, that uh, exciting. Uh, but sure enough, God has moved him, and now he's in the place of looking for God's will and uh, what other place that, he, that God would have him to serve in. And so y'all pray for him and his family. And they are looking to find what God would have them to do. Uh, pastoring a church is his heart. And, uh, and so one of the reasons I, I like Brother Jake and I like him to come here is because I like genuine. I like real. I like true. Now, you can find a lot about somebody um, about in the workplace. I work with Brother Jake. Jake uh, works where I work, and uh, I see him every day, uh, Monday through Friday. I see him under great pressure. I see him under great uh, stress. I see him under uh, times of difficulty, times of pressure, uh, times that seem to be good, times that seem to be bad. And every single one of those times, Brother Jake has been a child of God. Every time he comes through, uh, he comes to work, he works hard. He's a team player. He's part of the family uh, there at, at Beasley Tire. Uh, he's willing to do whatever. You'll never see him with a bad attitude. You've never seen him with a saying a bad word. You'll never hear him say anything negative nor contrary. You won't ever find him in a place where he's down and out. You won't ever see him in a place where you can say, boy, I tell you, he lost it. Never. A year and a half, I've never seen that, Brother Jake. Not one time. And uh, not only am I watching you, but others are watching you. I would say today, you're fixing to hear from a guy that was at a church. His heart was there. Broke his heart. Picked up his family. Moved from Bazaria down here to Houston with a smile on his face. Trusting God. And God has provided the way financially. His house. His food. His family. Every single thing that, ever, that Brother Jake ever needed, and even more, yes. and abundantly, God has taken care of him. And now he's about to give him a church, I feel, someday soon. And so I'm just saying this morning that we didn't bring Brother Jake in here just to bring him in here. We brought him in here because I feel this morning you're fixing to hear from a guy that's real, that loves God, loves his home, loves his family, uh, but he loves the church. And he loves the Word of God. And so uh, I'm just saying, Brother Jake, I want to tell you publicly, I appreciate your testimony. 
And I appreciate the spirit in which you walk in. And I appreciate the testimony that you got at Beasley Tires as well. And so uh, you come. All right? How much do I need to pay you? Huh? <laughs> Man, you owe me so much now, you can't ever pay me. <laughs> oh, amen. Brother Larry don't know yet, but when he gets, he, he's been on vacation, I guess, the last two days. Thursday and Friday, he took just a, a couple days off as he's very busy, but he don't know when he gets back tomorrow, I'm going to need some help on United Rentals. <laughs> uh, so, amen. It's so good to see everybody. I see a lot of new faces. I see a lot of smiling faces. Um, you must be happy people. You must have a good pastor, amen, a good church, a good friends here at Glory Baptist Church. This morning I'm going to preach on Rahab, and I'm going to preach that there is still life in you. And I want you to think about that. But why I'm uh, telling you this is because right after we eat that second service, Man, I would love for you to be here. Brother Larry don't know that I'm preaching on this, but uh, I, the Lord put it on my heart. But I'm going to preach on the pastor and his people. The pastor and his people. And I pray and hope that you can be here after lunch. It won't be very long. <laughs> but I promise you it will be a blessing to you and the church here and be also a blessing to your pastor and I preach, uh, appreciate his longevity here at Glory Baptist Church. And I'm thankful for you people that have been uh, changed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's changing you each and every day to what you are now. And I tell you what, we serve a good Lord. Amen. Yes. So if you got your Bibles, I want you to go uh, to the book of Acts. Acts chapter number 20. And then I, I want you to hold your place there. And then if you've got a bookmarker, I'd like for you to go to Joshua chapter number 2. And we'll be at Joshua chapter number 2 as fast as we can. But we're going to be in Acts chapter number 20. A kind of a unusual scripture. But in verse uh, chapter number 20, if you found your place, uh, if you will stand to your feet, to the reading of God's Word. Acts chapter number 20. And we're going to start in verses number 9. If you found your place, say amen. amen. Acts chapter number 20, verse number 9. The Bible says, And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep, and as Paul was long <laughs> preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, Trouble not yourselves for... Notice is, I want everybody to say it together, for his life is in him. Let's say it again. For his life is in him. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'll bless this message this morning. 
Lord, I pray that I can be a strength and a help to someone here today. Lord, I pray if anybody under the sound of my voice is lost and Lord is on their way to hell, Lord, I pray today be the day of salvation. Lord, I pray that they meet you because I, Lord, I already know you're already here. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you'll just bless this service, bless the fellowship, bless the preaching, bless everything that goes on. And we sure do give you the honor and glory for it all. In Jesus' precious holy name I pray, and amen. And you may be seated this morning. We see here an unlikely story. I don't know how many of you, if you'd be honest, maybe uh, children, but how many of y'all have ever kind of gotten sleepy in a church service? We, uh, let's just be honest, a lot of us have. Sometimes we come into church and we've worked all day and, uh, and man, uh, Brother Larry, he has to keep us awake and he'll shout out and it kind of wakes us up. Just the other day I was in church and watched a little red-headed boy uh, appear in front of me and, uh, man, he was sound asleep. You could hear him and ever so often he hit his head on the back of the pew and there was no cushions on the back of the pew. You could hear it. And uh, he'd wake up and, man, he, his eyes were real big and then before long he'd be like this again. Right. Hey, it happens. We see here in the Bible that God even put in His Word uh, as Paul was long preaching. Uh, and uh, man, this ma uh, young man by the name of Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep. Now we can pick on uh, Eutychus, uh, but I'm not going to this morning. You know, a lot of times in those type of places, the third loft, uh, a lot of times that's where the window was. And that's where all the air was moving. In these days, uh, in this time, uh, the lamps that were lit, they wasn't bright white light like we got right now, but there was that yellow dim light that kind of makes you tired. Yeah. And we can say, hey, this young man, did he work all day? He could have. He could have been a hard worker and he wanted to go hear Paul. He wanted to go here and preach. Paul was in that area. Paul wasn't going to be there very long. So he wanted to go see what the man had to say. You could say what you want to, but now Eutychus, he fell asleep. But one thing that happened is that's very tragically he fell from the third story. The third loft, the Bible says, and he was taken up. What does the Bible say? Dead. And one thing I want you to see this morning in verse number 10, everything was probably, uh, Paul was preaching, but he stopped. Everything, uh, I'd say everybody got up from where they were. They was going to look at this little boy or this young man that fell from the third loft. Everybody was surprised, man. Everything was going good. They were hearing Brother, uh, uh, Mr. Paul uh, preach and teach and uh, tell them the things of God. Everything was going well, but yet, still yet, this boy fell from the third loft, fell, uh, fell asleep, fell all the way down, and he was laying there. And he was taken up dead. Paul, he quits. He runs over. And Paul went down, the Bible says, in verse number 10, and fell on him. 
Paul was emotional. Paul was just, uh, he couldn't believe what just happened. And embracing him, the Bible says, said, trouble not yourselves for, we read this, for his life is in him. This morning I want to preach on the subject, there is life in you. And I'm going to say this morning by way of introduction, if you're not dead here this morning, let's all take our pulse. Put your hand, two little fingers on your wrist. Can you hear your heart beating? I hope you can. There's life in you. That means you're not dead. Praise the Lord, you're not dead right now. Hey, we ought to all praise the Lord. Hey, we are not dead. But what I'm saying to you this morning is there's still life in you. And this life is what God wants. And this life is what you need to give God. You know, God is not finished writing any one of your stories. We all have a story to be told. And God is not finished. If you're still alive and if you're not dead, God is still writing the story of your life. Every one of us have a story. This man, uh, this boy named Eutychus, he, they was still life in the boy. He is not dead and God is still going to do a work in him. And I want to say this morning, God is not finished with anybody in this room. He is still writing your story. Yes, am I? If you're here and you're lost, if you're here and you're just a wayward, if you're here and you're trying to find yourself, finding what the meaning of life is, I'm going to ask you, won't you let someone help you? Help you find the life that we have in our hearts. Now I want you to go to the book of Joshua. Book, book of Joshua. And I'm going to try to tie all this in on this morning. But I want you to uh, go with me there. Joshua chapter number 2. Joshua chapter number 2. A very familiar story about a lady. Uh, a not so good lady. Uh, she started out bad. But man, she ended up good. And I want you to notice in Joshua chapter number 2. And we're going to read verses number 1. And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, View the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house. Notice that. Named Rahab and lodged there. Now we all know the story of Jericho. And Jericho was the place in Joshua chapter number 6 that the walls, God, he had them go around the city seven times. And on the seventh day, uh, he went around seven times. And man, the walls fell down what? Flat. And the people went up and they conquered the city. But yet there was one person, one house... That was not tore down. And it was a lodging upon the wall. And it was Rahab's house. 
Most likely it was an 8 by 8 or an 8 by 10 a type of dwelling, not very big in those times. But yet she lived upon the wall of the city. We see that in Joshua chapter number 6. This is who we're talking about in Joshua chapter number 2 and verse number 1 named Rahab and lodged there. Verse number 2, and it was told the king of Jericho saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said, Thus there came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate when it was dark that the men went out whether the men when I won't not pursue after them quickly for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them uh, with the stalks of flax which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords and as soon as they were uh, which uh, pursued after them were gone out they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof, and she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when ye came out of Egypt and when uh, ye did not uh, did unto the king, two kings of the Amorites uh, that were on the other side, Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any uh, man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven and above and in earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you swear unto me by the Lord since I have showed you kindness that ye will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. And it goes on and she lets the men down. Notice this in verse number 15. Then she let them down by a cord through the window for her house was upon the town wall uh, and she dwelt upon the wall. Rahab, many messages have been preached about Rahab. Especially on Mother's Day you will hear about Rahab. Because uh, this morning good mothers are not born. They are made. Did you hear me? Good mothers are not born. They're made. Eutychus, they said he was dead. But they found him. He was life in him. Rahab in Joshua chapter number 2, verse number 1. What is she? She's a harlot. Pretty bad. We're going to see that in just a minute. I want you to hold your place. I want you to go to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter uh, number 1. Matthew chapter number 1. Rahab the harlot. Matthew chapter number 1, we see something else. In verse number 5, And Solomon begat Boaz of Rahab, Rachab. And Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. 
talking about the lineage uh, of David all the way to Christ, talking about the, uh, the throne there. But we see the same lady that was a prostitute in Joshua chapter number 2. And we see her as the great-great-grandmother of David in Matthew chapter number 1 and verses number 5. What do we say here? What do we see here? What we see here today, guys, is God changes labels and he rewrites stories. I'm so thankful. You say you have a life in you, and I say you do. And you say, well, I don't know what my life is doing right now. I'm telling you right now that God is still wanting to write your story here today. If you're you're out in sin and you just, man, uh, you're covered up in sin and you can't see the things of God, all you can see is the lust of the flesh and the uh, pride of life and all those things, God still can do a work in your life and rewrite your story. You don't have to be down and out here. I'm telling you, if it happened to Rahab, if God could do a work in Rahab that we're going to see, if there's still life in you and God done a work in Rahab, God still can do a a work and a a life in you. Now think about this. Uh, We ought to love people back to life. We ought to, Glory Land Baptist Church ought to be a spiritual hospital where we love people back to life. Man, people don't know that they're dead. They don't know that they're dead out in the world. We went uh, door knocking as a church on yesterday. And be, please be praying about our soul winning and uh, door knocking efforts. And, uh, but yesterday was a hard day. And uh, man, we, we, uh, we had people out on different streets. And uh, man, we was knocking these doors as we've been faithful knocking these doors. But we had a couple doors that the ladies, they knocked on. And the men uh, said, get out of here. And they slammed the door in our little kids' face. Kept on knocking. They called the, uh, their husbands, Brother Brad. He, he left uh, his door and made sure his wife was okay with the kids and uh, just an unusual door. Next thing we knew, the cops was there. We had a big old group of church people. We've had 40. Uh, man, just knocking doors and all we're doing is giving out tracts. And that cop comes in on me yesterday and he says uh, to our group, and we got little kids everywhere, little kids uh, surrounding us, our wives. And they said, what, what are you guys doing? They said, y'all are soliciting. And I said, no, sir, we're not uh, trying to sell nothing. It's a free gift. It's, we're just inviting folks to church. Well, I, you know, he, I mean, he bombarded us. I, mean, I, I, I was a little bit nervous about the deal. I'm thankful Brother Brad was there. But that cop, man, he was, had a bad attitude. He had a bad spirit about him. And, man, he, I, I didn't know if he was wanting to draw a gun on us or what. We were standing there. And because that man had called twice, and said that, uh, you know, that we were, uh, the ladies came in, and he didn't want to receive a track. He didn't want anybody at his door. He worked third shift, and he didn't want nobody on his property. And, of course, all we did was put a track on his door. 
The cop, he, he was going on, on and on. And finally, he said the statement. He said, well, you didn't do anything wrong. Well, why are we even talking then? And you know what? Some of those kids, they were a little bit nervous about what that cop did. But we told those kids, there's always going to be opposition. And those houses that have Halloween, it was a house that had Halloween decorated all through their yard. I mean, there's werewolves, there was witches, there was everything, skulls, and we went through that. And those ladies they, and those kids, they put the track on their door and they walked away. But yet that place was the place that the devil used to be able to call the cops, to be able to say, these people, man, we've got to get them off the, out of our neighborhood. We're spreading good news. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. The work of the Lord is not easy. But you know what I'm praying for? I'm praying that God, that that guy can open his heart up and receive the life that I have. I'm hoping he receives the life that what those kids have. And we talked to those kids and we told them this is what the world does and this is what the world, they hate anything that's of church, anything that's good and pure. They don't want to be able to even speak to us. I could never believe in all of my life that a man would shut a door and uh, scream at uh, ladies and uh, uh, little kids with no man present and they would cast them out. It's first for me, Brother Larry. I'm thankful Brother uh, Brad was there. But I'm going to tell you this morning, there's still life in that man as he's living. And it is our job, the love that we have in our hearts, to be able to go and be able to, and then we tried to give that cop uh, a track and showed him, and he didn't want it. He said, no, I can't take that. I said, okay, here's a donut. But he wouldn't take the track. In front of those kids, he wouldn't take a track. And it was so dangerous. Uh, uh, That Baptist church, it's got the gospel in it. Oh, I can't touch that. We see here Rahab. Number one, we see her character. A lot like the world that we live in, a lot like that man. Her character, notice in verse number one, it says, and harlot's house. That's where she lived. That's who she was. That's who she was. She was a woman of ill reputation. A harlot means an adulteress, a whore, or to be wanton. That's what a, a, a harlot means. And that's what Rahab was. Uh, that was uh, Rahab before she met the Lord. I want you to notice in the book of Deuteronomy what the Lord thought about a harlot. I want you to notice in Deuteronomy chapter number 23, if you want to know what God thinks about something, won't you look at the Bible and God will spell it out for you. But in Deuteronomy chapter number 23, in verse number 17, uh, the Bible says this, uh, there shall be no harlot whore of the daughters of Israel. Then it goes on to say, nor a sodomite. How many of you all know what a sodomite is? That's a homosexual. That's a queer. And they stole that word from us. But nor a sodomite of the sons of Israel. Thou uh, shalt not bring the hire of a whore 
or the price of a dog into the house of the Lord thy God for any vow. For even both these are abomination unto the Lord thy God. You see that? This is what Rahab was. Rahab was of ill reputation. We see her person. She was a harlot. We see her pride. Rahab, if you look up her name, her name actually means pride. Pride or proud. And you know, Rahab was proud of her sinfulness. As she lived in open sin upon the wall of the city, running a house of ill reputation, she didn't care what anybody thought of her. She was right there where everybody passed around. She was lived and lodged upon the wall where everybody could see. She didn't care. But you know, we find in the book of Proverbs, I want you to uh, go there real quickly, what God thinks uh, about this in Proverbs, uh, talking about pride and being proud. In uh, Proverbs chapter number 8, the Bible says this, Proverbs chapter number 8 and verse number 13, the Bible says, uh, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Here's that word again, pride. And arrogancy in the evil way, in the froward mouth, do I hate. So we see her pride. Notice in Proverbs chapter number 16, just a couple pages over in verse number 18, it says, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. So we see that her person, she was a harlot. We see her pride. Rahab means proud. And we see what God says about each one of them. But Rahab, we see now her condemnation. Rahab was condemned by birth. I want you to see something. Rahab, she lived on the wall of Jericho. Jericho was in the land of Canaan. That means she was a Canaanite. Rahab, therefore, was an enemy of God's people. She was to be killed. They were going there to spy out the land. They were going there because they were going to overtake the land, which they did in chapter number 6. But Rahab was the ones and in that household that God spared. Out of all the people we see Jericho, the walls of Jericho came, what does the kids say? Came tumbling down. Except Rahab's house. Except that portion Upon that city, those people stayed alive. Now think about this. She was condemned by birth. She was a Canaanite. Romans chapter number 5, many of you know this verse. And we're going to go back and forth to it this morning. I hope and pray that you will look at it with me and think about it and uh, put this in your heart. But in Romans chapter number 5 and verses number 12, the Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin. Notice that. And death by sin. Meaning... A sinner by birth. Death by sin. We each and every one in here, no matter who you are, you were a Rahab. Now, you might not have been a harlot, but each and every one of us sitting here today, including myself, as I preach, 
We were all sinners. We were born in sin. We were Rahab. And I'm going to tell you something. Rahab, if Rahab had a chance, and if we had a chance, these lost people, they still have an opportunity if they're living and breathing. I want you to stay with me. It's going to get better here in just a second. Rahab, she was condemned by birth. She was a Canaanite. We see Rahab was condemned by choice. Now, Rahab lived as a harlot. Therefore, she was a sinner by choice. That's what she wanted to do. She wanted to be a harlot. She wanted to be in that house. She wanted men coming into her. She got paid by that way. She fed her family that way. But she did this not by birth, but also by choice. By choice. Let's go back to Romans chapter number 5, verse number 12. Let's uh, help uh, work on this verse. And death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Notice that statement, for that all have sinned. We all know that we were born in sin. But we also all know each and every one of us, we chose to sin too. We chose. Rahab chose to be a harlot. She chose this life that she had. She didn't have the Lord. She chose this way for her life. But is that the end of Rahab? No, no, that's not the end of Rahab because now we see that Rahab has courage and verses 1 through 7, I want you to notice what the Bible says. It says, uh, it drop down to verse number uh, 3, and the king of uh, Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, uh, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. But notice what Rahab does. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. Was that true? No. Rahab, she chose by, uh, and having courage to hide those men. She hid them. Rahab, uh, Rahab had uh, courage. She housed the spies knowing who they were. She already knew that, and you will find that in the bottom verses of that chapter, she already knew that they were uh, of those people. She already knew what the, uh, they crossed the Red Sea. She already knew that a God was with them. And she knew this, and she still had courage to hide them. She not only housed the spies, but she hid the spies, knowing that the penalty of doing this would cost her her life. It's getting to the point, guys. If you're going to stand for God, you're going to be exited out of here. Yeah, that's right. In a lot of countries, you're getting beheaded. But in America, what we get is we get shunned. Just the other day, I, I, I spoke up for the Lord, and man, I got shunned in front of everybody. Did I just get out a ball bat and say, nobody's going to shun uh, me? No. I had to take it. 
And man, we was talking about Hamas and we was talking about Israel. And man, it is awful what's going on in our uh, in our world today. It, it's crazy to see, uh, uh, man, the land of Israel just get attacked. It's crazy to see that little babies' heads are getting chopped off. It blows my mind. We can't fathom that in America. And we was talking about some of those uh, guys that for uh, uh, for the first time. Uh, his name is Trey, and I want you to pray for him. He lives here in Stafford. But Trey, he, he said he was scared right now. You know why he's scared about? Because he's heard the truth, and he said, is it the time for the Lord to come back? And that's what brought this whole conversation up. And uh, we had others talking, and uh, is the Lord coming back? You know why they're scared? Because they want to hurry up and get their life right. They want to hurry up. Should I accept the Lord now or do I have another chance? We, you never know if it's your last chance or not. Right. If you know you're lost and if you know that you're on a de- uh, your way to devil's hell, don't leave the service. Don't leave church and uh, go on home. I'm telling you, you could get in a car wreck or anything and your life is gone. Right. And it's in eternity. Right. One or two places. Right. But those boys... He said, man, I, I just don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what you think is going to happen in America. Well, and I said, I, I told him, I said, what have you done with Jesus Christ? Well, I, 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 he called him JC. <laughs> and I said, Trey, I said, none of this matters. We're going to go over and try to whip Hamas. But wait a minute, it's more than that. I I said, Trey, you're scared because of a reason. You're scared to die. Let's just be honest. And I said, Trey, it's all about this man and the relationship you have with him. And his name is Jesus Christ. And I said, Trey, if this war happened, all because for you to be saved, God would do it because he loves you that much. And he looked back at me and he said, God loves me that much. I said, Trey, yeah. God loves everybody in this room that much. He would stop the world for you to be saved. He loves you that much. Can you imagine that? He died on the cross, but yet he would stop the world for everybody in this room, this, uh, this person, that person, that girl, that boy, that man, for us to be saved, he would stop the world. The love of God is unbelievable. But this, uh, this woman, she stood up and she said, Well, I go to church and we go to a church that we praise. But we don't have no Bible. We don't believe in the, that book. We don't believe, man, God is a, a, merciful, a merciless God. He, he, uh, we see in the Old Testament, he, he was going on and on and on. And I was thinking, just shut up. <laughs> She said, uh, Jake, you know, you and Brother Larry, you're all good, you're all good men. And I, I don't mean to say much about it, but all I'm saying is, man, that Bible is just not real. Wow. Let me tell you something, which we have a conversation sometime. I left this for Brother Larry to clean up on Monday. <laughs> and he's, uh, there's so many prophecies I, I think they're like 300, 400, I, I don't even know how many. All the promises, all the things, they've already been fulfilled. Yeah. 
it would like, it'd be, it'd be almost like going on the beach, of all the beaches on the earth, and finding one grain of sand that had a little black mark on it. Now, can you imagine going out on the beach trying to find one little piece of grain of sand out just, uh, just a beach of this size had one little black mark on it? For them, everything in the Bible to be true, over years and years, it'd be almost impossible if God wasn't in it. Yeah, sure. To think about it. Guys, what God has done in your life it was something that man or you could not do for yourself. To think about Rahab for her in uh, uh, Joshua chapter number 2 and verse number 1. She is a harlot. She's a whore. But yet we see her in Matthew chapter number 1 verse number 5. How did she get to that point, to that point and be in the genealogy? It's all because God yes, rewrote her story. Yeah, that's right. I'm here today. As a 12-year-old boy, I got born again. And God has just rewrote my story. And God is working in my life. He's given me a new label. He's given me new things. We don't see in Matthew chapter number 1, uh, verse number 5, do you see the word harlot? Yeah. Anybody see that? No. Wait a minute. It said that in Joshua chapter number 2. Right. You see, she was not remembered as a harlot no more. Has God done a work inside of her? I want you to see something. I'm hurrying. Uh, We see her condemnation. We see her courage. And now we see her convincing uh, in verses 8 through uh, 10. We see Rahab heard who the Lord of Israel was. She knew where the spies came. She knew what happened at the Red Sea. She knew that this God, the God that they serve, man, he is strong to be able to part the Red Sea, to be able to do what they're doing. This God, their God is strong. Can I say this morning, our God is strong. The same God of Rahab, the same God that led Israel, is the same God in 2023 that is guiding us through thee in 2023. Our God is a mighty God. Now we see this, Rahab heard who the Lord of Israel was. We see that in verse number 9. Verse number 10, we see Rahab heard what the Lord of Israel did. You know, no matter where you go, people know who our God is. And when we was talking to that cop, he knew who our God was. As those children were lined up around that cop yesterday, and they were good as can be, And they were saying, yes, sir, no, sir. And they looked up at him and they were like angels. They were just innocent. They were just spreading Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Uh And that cop, he was saying that we was trying to get money for the offerings. No, no, no. Nothing was said about the church offerings. He said, what are you all doing trying to fix your all's church? Uh, No, no, sir. What in the world are y'all doing? We're trying to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And he was shocked by that. He he even said, Brother Larry, he told me, he said in front of those kids, he said, you must be the pastor and trying to get people in your congregation. I said, no, sir. And I said, I'm not a pastor. And I'm not. No. And he floored back. He was saying, what in the world are y'all doing? 
There again, it's about Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. He got in his uh, cop car, got out of there, and uh, I, we got in our cars. And man, I looked and I was like, I man, I just can't believe this just happened. And I was thinking about all the people that, that, that it scared and it hurt. And then I thought about Matthew chapter number 10, verse 14. Brad Zabrowski, he sent that to me. How, let's look at it real quick. Matthew chapter number 10, verse 14, because I'm right at done anyway. Amen. Nobody can fall asleep now because I'm already almost done. Matthew chapter number 10, I believe it is verse number 14. I'm turning there as quick as I can. I think this is the verse that he sent me. And the Bible says this, And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when ye depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. That's right. I saw that and I was uh, telling my wife, she was there, and I told her, uh, my kids, I said, I'm so thankful that the church people, they're still willing not to give up, but they're still willing to keep pressing on. We're living in a day where nobody wants to have any conversation with nobody about eternity. We're coming to a place where it's just a personal thing. Oh, I can't tell you about it. But Jesus said you've got to be the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. You can't hide your bushel under a... a, 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 Can't hide your candle under a bushel. Rahab, she heard what the Lord of Israel did. Rahab's choice, the choice of God's person. Notice in verse number 11 of uh, Joshua chapter number 2. Uh, notice this, and uh, let me look at my phone real quick. I'm, I'm done. I, I'm hurrying. Uh, Joshua chapter number 2 and verse number 1. Uh, uh, actually, verse number 11. The Bible says... And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, notice this next three words, He is what? He is God. That's what Rahab said about their God. She said, He is God. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6, you must believe that He is. Rahab believed this. We see the choice. She made the choice of God's people, the choice of God's payment. From Genesis to chapter three, uh, Genesis chapter three, throughout the Bible, this line, uh, the scarlet thread that was laid out uh, of her uh, window to uh, signify who she was and the promise that was given to her, we see Christ's redemption story throughout the Word of God. We see our conversion, 18 through 21. We see Rahab's testimony in uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. Uh, and uh, I'm not going to go through all that, but it says, not with them that believe not. She was not counted with them. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, she was in the hall of faith. We see in James chapter 2, verse 25 also about Rahab. And we see her transformation in Matthew chapter 1, verse number 5. The word harlot is not associated with Rahab. If you're here today... Say, preacher, what has this got to do with me? It's all got to do with this church. We've got to go find those Rahabs. Those Rahabs are going to be dirty. They're going to be dark. 
but we've got to show them Christ's love. And if we can breathe life back into them with Christ and Christ use us, then we can save another generation. We can save another soul. Do you hear today as we stand at our feet, every head bowed, eyes closed, do you all maybe know a Rahab in your life? Do you know a Rahab in your life? I'm going to go out on a limb. I wonder if there's somebody here today that is lost. And then you're in the place of Rahab. And you need God to change your story. Well, the first thing that God wants to do is you need to be saved. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'll do a work that only you can do. I thank you for doing a work in Rahab's life as you've done a work in our life. Help us here at Glory Baptist Church. Help us to honor you, to serve you, and to give you first place in our life. In Jesus' precious holy name I pray. Amen. As every head bowed, eyes closed. These altars are here. They're for each and every one of us. Can you remember the first time? The time that when Jesus started working on your heart and you got born again? Oh, what a blessing. I want you to come. Won't you come and get out of your pew? Won't you come and pray for that Rahab in your life? Won't you come? And man, she's worth praying for. She, uh, he is worth praying for. That mom or dad, that child that's wayward, they're worth praying for. God can rewrite their story. God can change their label. God can still use them as he did Rahab. Won't you come? As people are praying, I'm going to give it over to Brother Larry. Won't you come here today? Come give it to Jesus. Come give it to Jesus. Lord, if you'd come, my brother, if you need to come pray, I, I would beg you tonight to do this morning to do that. Either pray for yourself and that you need to be saved, or pray for someone else that they may be saved. Would you consider your soul this morning? Would you consider, you've considered your body today. I say that you have looked well. You've bathed up. you put clothes on. You've come to church. You've considered your body. you considered even your mental health. Consider your soul now. If you die and death is appointed unto man once to die, then after this the judgment. If you die right now, where would you go? That's a very serious question. Can you answer that? Where would you go? If you're saved, the Bible said, be absent from the bodies present with the Lord. If you're lost, the Bible says that the man died and lifted up his eyes in hell, being in torments. It's two directions this morning that you can go. Jesus will make a difference. Would you come? Amen. You sing, Brother George. Would you come? Would you give Jesus this morning what he so worthy deserves? And that is your life.
He's created you. He's given you breath to breathe. He's given you abilities and capabilities. He's been so kind and gracious and long-suffering and patient. Would you come to him this morning? You have to humble yourself. You've got to submit yourself. You've got to be willing to repent this morning, change heart, change mind, and really desire to receive Christ as the Lord and Savior. Would you come? How about you, dear sinner friend? Won't you come? Lay out before the Lord. Ask Him to do a work in your children, in your grandchildren, in your spouse, in your family, friends and co-workers. God, make me a soul winner. Make me one that has burden and a burning for the sinners of this world. Rahab's. Rahab's. One more verse, Brother George. Would you come this morning? Oh, I beg you, dear sinner friend, lost without God, in the world without Christ, headed for eternity, that's Christless and hopeless and helpless. Why wouldn't you come to Christ today? Why? Why? Why, oh why? Why wouldn't you come to Christ? What is it about Jesus today that you could say, I don't want him, and I don't want him to be in me? What is it? If there's ever a man this morning that's never done anything to you, never a man that's done anything wrong, Never a man that's ever done anything to hurt anyone. He's loved. He's given. He has shed. Why wouldn't you come to him? It's amazing to me how hard and cold and wicked your heart is. How ungodly and Christless you are to not come to the loving Savior. The wonderful Lord, the almighty God, the everlasting Father, the wonderful, the counselor, the prince of peace, the savior, the redeemer, the chief shepherd, the great shepherd, the shepherd, the author and finisher of our faith, the bishop of our souls, the captain of our salvation, the I am, the first and the last. God, the Lord, why? Oh, I beg that God would have mercy on you. And I beg that he'll give you another time. And I beg the Lord today that he'd call you because you can't come unto him unless you're called. And I pray this morning that you'll be able to hear the word of God one more time so that God could call you by his spirit and draw you unto himself. I beg the Lord to give you one more time. Please, Lord. 
Give them one more time. Thank you, Lord. Amen, Brother Jake. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate you letting us know about Rahab. What a change that God's made in her heart and life. We thank the Lord. Well, I was thinking about a couple things as, uh, as we're praying here this morning still. We don't want to interrupt that at all. But I was thinking about how Rahab, being that Canaanite and being that enemy of God, and how God convinced her by just what she has known or heard from a distance. Yes. She didn't have no track given to her. No. She didn't have nobody come to her personally. No. It was a distance of here and I heard and this is what they said and this is what I believe. Yeah. But there's no greater way of faith, Brother Jake, than that. Amen. Right? I mean, I'm not going to believe unless I see. But she didn't, she didn't see anything. She heard. Right. Exactly. And boy, she believed. And she trusted in the Lord. Amen. Amen. God saved her, put her in the lineage of Christ. Yes. What a great, great grand, grandmother of David. Yes. My, what a wonderful, wonderful story that is. I wonder how your story will end. Yeah. I wonder how it will end. I pray that it end with Christ. Amen. Amen. So we're looking forward for the meal now. And uh, we're going to go in there right after the service. And we'll sit down and have a meal together and enjoy what the Lord has given to us and then come right back in here and have the second service. Brother Jake has said he's going to preach on the pastor and his people. And so I would think that you might want to hear that as well. Uh, but I want to say thank you for every visitor, everyone that's here this morning. Thank you for being here. May the Lord bless you. Yes. I appreciate every member, uh, everyone who's faithful, continuing to come and support and being a help. I love being your pastor. And I'm thankful for the people that God has given us. And uh, we have different types of people. We have different uh, ways of people. We have different uh, looks of people. Uh, we have different thinking people. And yet, we're all people. Amen? Amen. And I'm glad you don't have to be like me. And I thank God that I don't have to be like you. Amen? Because if everybody's like me, it would be disastrous. And so I'm glad that you are you and you just continue to be you. Uh, you just follow the Lord and walk in the Spirit. Right, Brother Keith? And, uh, and that's what we'll do. There's a couple of things I want to say on this side here. I'm going to, I'm going to put up this, that verse, brother, out of Acts. Uh, so when you fall asleep, I got a verse to come over there and lay on you and embrace you. Put my hands on you. Amen. And as soon as you wake up, I'm just going to point to that verse. It'll probably be right there. See that verse there? That's what Paul did. That's what we do. Amen. So I was thinking about that. And boy, with, with that cop, we, we know a cop. And I could just imagine him doing that. But I know a donut got him away. I mean, you said that right. Right, Brother Key? All right, bud. Amen. Love you, church. Y'all hungry? Yes. Amen. All right. Let's be dismissed this morning with a word of prayer. Thank you for being here. Brother, how is Nahum this morning? He has a, he, Nahum broke his arm this weekend. He broke his arm. Uh, he took it, and so he went to our surgeon, so somebody can help us. Is it not in the cast yet or anything? It's in a splint. It's in a splint.
Huh. And so uh, the man that was trying to work on it said it's still crooked. The flint needs to be taken off. And this is straight by North Street. So I still did it. They waited for four hours. I said, oh, that man is off now. What did these surgeons look at the same x-rays and said, you guys are free to go? Wow. Uh-huh. Wow, brother. All right. If you know of a good orthopedic surgeon, you, you said a sports one, right? Are you washed in the blood? 